In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'm not sure before coming to Zion that I'd ever been part of a church with a clock in the nave, that is the worship space. So I don't know the whole history of the clock. I know it was given as a memorial to Reverend Hutton. Uh, Maybe somebody after the service could tell me more about the clock. But I imagine the clock was placed in the church for pragmatic reasons. And I wonder, because the church I grew up in actually had a clock placed right on the pulpit there as a reminder for long-winded preachers. (laughs) Get on with it, finish the sermon. But clocks are pragmatic. They have a purpose. Precise timekeeping is all about getting people together at the same time for a task. Before clocks, time was kept very generally, nonspecific. You could talk approximately about morning hours and evening hours. You could talk about the seasons and the years. But you can never be precise and say, well, meet me at 9.45 in the morning. That's only possible because of clocks. And this precise timekeeping was largely developed for spiritual reasons and monasteries where monks needed to pray together at a specific time of the day. The clocks made that possible. So some of the earliest mechanical clocks are found in monasteries and in cathedrals. The timekeeping is pragmatic. It gets us all together at the same time. But timekeeping is also spiritual. The passing of time itself is spiritually important to us, just as the medieval monks learned when they put clocks in their monasteries. Because the keeping of time is a reminder that our time is limited. We are going to die. Our days are numbered. And each swing of the clock's pendulum represents a moment closer to the day where we will all meet our maker. The season of Advent challenges us to consider our time and what we do with our time as Christians. So now we're beginning a time in our culture where the weeks before us are all about preparing for the festivities of Christmas. The, few, the next weeks are about buying and wrapping gifts, decorating, planning menus, planning travel, and so on. But Jesus reminds us that we are to be more intentional about our time in a different way. And this is what the whole season is about for us, getting intentional with our time. As the clock ticks away in coming weeks, we will indeed be closer to the celebration of the first advent of Christ. But in the church's time, we are reminded we are also closer each moment to the second advent of Christ to his second coming. The gospel reading takes us to the days before Christ is crucified. Christ has told his disciples that the temple in Jerusalem will be destroyed and that he will come again to judge the world. The disciples don't yet fully understand what Jesus is talking about. And so they ask him, how will they know when these things are going to take place? Well, Jesus tells them quite boldly, they can't know. He says the hour will be unexpected. And because the hour will be unexpected, Jesus tells them that alert vigilance is required as they await the end. They need to be spiritually watchful. He says the temptation will be to live unaware, will be to live unprepared for the passing of time. And that because the hour of his return is unknown, people will not be intentional about their time. 
Jesus gives us three pictures that illustrate the need to be spiritually ready for his arrival. So first he says, for as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He says people were just busy living their lives in those days. He doesn't even say that they were doing anything wicked exactly. He says the people were eating, they were drinking, they were getting married. They were doing the normal things that we all do. And while Noah listened to God's word and built a boat, everyone else just went about their lives. And when the rains came, they knew nothing about it, and they were swept away. To clarify what he means, Jesus gives us a second example. In this example, he notes there are two workers in the field. One will be taken, one left. In other words, he's not telling us to quit working, to quit our jobs, to quit doing our day-to-day -day activities and just watch for his coming. He's telling us, rather, to be spiritually prepared. We are called to be spiritually awake for his arrival. It wasn't that the people in the days of Noah were at fault for doing their normal day-to-day -day activities. Their fault was that they were oblivious to the sin around them. Their fault was that they failed to see the inevitability of God's coming judgment. They were spiritually asleep, simply, simply drifting through their days, numb to the realities of God's word. And so when the flood came, they were swept away. The final example Jesus gives us is that of a homeowner. He says, if a homeowner does not expect a thief to come at night, well, the homeowner is just going to go to sleep. If he knows, however, what time at night the thief is coming, the homeowner is going to get prepared for that hour. He won't necessarily be constantly vigilant. He will only be vigilant for the necessary time. And so this example gets to the heart of what Jesus wants us to hear. He wants us to be constantly spiritually prepared for his arrival. He says, if we knew the hour or day that he was going to arrive, then the constant temptation would be not to be prepared. We would say, well, I know Jesus is coming at 10 o'clock tonight, so I'm going to do what I want with my life until 10 o'clock tonight when Jesus comes. That would be a problem. It would be a problem because we would end up wasting our lives. Instead of living our lives with the highest good, which is to love, trust, and fear God, the temptation would be too much to live as worldly as we could. We would be tempted to be spiritually asleep and to think that we could just set an alarm clock to wake us up at Christ's arrival. And so the unknown hour is a spiritual blessing to us. It allows us to live in true dependence on God, to be truly ready. And this is what the Christian life is really about. The Christian life is a life of learning to depend on God for all things. This is what we mean when we say a life of faith. A life of faith is a life of dependence on God the Father. This constant learning to depend on God is required for our spiritual growth. Being faithfully, faithfully awake is not something we can just turn on with a switch. But being spiritually awake is a product of vigilance. Spiritual growth comes to us day by day, bit by bit, when we avail ourselves consistently to the means of grace. We don't wake up one day and decide that we're going to be dependent on God and be truly faithful. It doesn't work like that. Instead, the Holy Spirit works this faith in us daily as we receive his means of grace.
And so the daily, regular reception of the means of grace is how we remain vigilant for the Lord's arrival. When we regularly worship the Lord, when we receive the sacrament, when, he, when we read his word, when we pray, when we commit ourselves to him, that's how we remain spiritually awake. Our hymn of the day says, prepare yourself to meet the Lord. Jesus says in our reading, therefore you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. When you hear those commands, you want to hear them like this. Make yourself dependent on God. Spend your days learning to trust in him and not in yourself. Christians live in this time of waiting. And through scripture, and the scripture tells us that a thousand years is but a day for God. For us, this wait can seem substantial, can seem forever. And to get through this long wait, we have to trust. If you sat at the doctor's office for an hour or two, waiting for your name to be called, waiting for the doctor to arrive in the examination room, you know the frustration of the wait. We stay, however, because we trust that the doctor will eventually show up. Doctors are busy, they have other patients, they have paperwork, they have consultations, and so we wait while being frustrated. But God doesn't want us to get frustrated because God has another reason he is leaving us to wait. He has us waiting so that we will learn to trust. So we learn to be prepared for and we learn to desire the arrival of his son. That's the heart of the gospel reading. Will the return of Christ on the last day be good news for us? There is no question that it will be good news if we have spent our days learning to love and trust him. As moments are passing, are we dedicating moments to learning to love and trust Christ? The writer Annie Dillard reminds us how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one and the next is what we are doing. Right? How you spend your days is how you spend your life. And so the season of Advent reminds us that our days are best spent learning to wait with faith. We learn to wait in faith by learning to see that Christ has not abandoned us to the passing of time, instead that he has entered time for us. He still enters time for us as we receive him in his word and sacrament. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we want to prepare for his arrival, then we want to learn to receive him today and every day. The Christ who is coming on the last day is the same Christ who came to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He's the same Christ who comes to you when you receive Holy Communion. He's the same Christ who is present when two or three are gathered in his name. He's the same Christ who has promised he will never leave you, never forsake you. It's our duty and our joy to spend our days preparing for his return. Because to prepare for his return is to receive his grace each day. Indeed, the clock is ticking. The pendulum is swinging. And all of us are a little closer to seeing Christ face to face. To prepare for that moment when we see him face to face ought to be the ultimate goal of our lives. And we prepare for that moment by learning to long for that day. 
we learn to know that Christ is our Redeemer. We learn to know him as the one who cares for us, the one who forgives us. We learn to trust in him and to trust that he is the Lord of our life. And so when you spend your days doing those things, then you will be prepared for the Son of Man at the unexpected hour. When you spend your days learning to trust in him, you are spending your days awake. You are ready for his return. And so like the hymn says, we can sing together, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because we know that Christ is for us. Amen.